0: Welcome to this new episode of Le Podcast. Le Podcast equips you to make positive change in your organization. I'm Alex Simonville. Thank you for listening. Hello, today I am with Jason MacKer and I'm really lucky to be with Jason today and we will discuss the 13 rules. 13, so one, three. Jason, can you please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hello. My name is Jason McCurr, uh, and I manage the management and automation organization for Red Hat.
0: Before joining Red Hat, can you tell us a little bit more about you and what you were doing? Sure. So I
1: started uh, my career in open source as co-founder of the open source lab with Scott Cavetan at Oregon State University in 2003. And have sort of wended my way through startups and big companies over the years, uh, Jan Rain and Puppet were both open source related companies, and uh, spent a little time taking some time off and training working dogs. And four years ago, came back to to open source with open source with Tim Kramer managing the Ansible engineering group.
0: A long and successful career in uh, engineering and open source. I am lucky to have met you at uh, Red Hat, but I did not discover the certain roles uh, through you. That what someone on your team that told me when once oh do you know those rules? Because I've said something. And they they said, oh yeah, that that fits really well with the 13 rules. What 13 rules? What do you mean? Tell us more about that. It's funny.
1: I was wondering how you uh, got the 13 rules because I didn't remember talking to you about them. But um, a long time ago, when uh, when I finished my MBA, I was talking to a mentor of mine who is a military man. And of course, I was very full of myself because I just finished an MBA. And he gently made fun of me. And told me at the time something very profound that was, if you don't have a framework for how leaders make good decisions, then every bad decision they make is yours to own. And every good decision they make is basically an accident that you get to take no part in. And I always thought that was very profound. So I sat down uh, and I said, geez, I should probably have a framework like that. You know, the the rules have evolved over the years as I've grown up and learned, and uh, and and of course made some some tough mistakes. But that that's basically the foundation for how I started thinking. I need a framework for how I and how any organization I'm responsible for managing makes its most
0: basic decisions. The first rule people shared me the, the the thirteen rules. The first rule is have fun, and I looked at that, say, oh. How does that fit with what you just said about a framework for leaders to make good decisions?
1: Uh, You know, good question. Uh, I often take the first two rules and I I say them glibly, have fun and do good work. But really, those are kind of, uh, they're one and two because they're so important. And that is about finding the balance as a leader for a team such that they can both be content and effective. And, you know, I think many, if not, just about everybody in corporate America has worked for a manager who sacrifices one for the other. So when you bring in one and two together, have fun and do good work or be content and effective, it's really about making sure you pay attention to that balance. And of course, it gets a little out of balance. Sometimes the pressure's on, you got to release, you got to get out the
0: door, something like that. Then it's incumbent on leadership to make sure you bring it back in balance. I love it. I really love it. And you're right, it's really profound. It's really simple to understand and it's really simple to understand that you want to have that balance. It's not something weird. And the fact that it's worded it really simply, I love it. The third world is about take care of the people who work for or with you. The team comes first.
1: Yeah, I've always had a, a belief that, again, there's sort of a grouping. Three, four, and five is take care of the people you work with, take care of your team. Uh, rule four is take care of the user or the customer. And rule five is take care of the managers. And uh, and they're last for a reason, because my belief is that if the team takes care of each other, cares about each other, remembers that they are responsible for each other's livelihoods and, and you know helping their kids get through college and all those sorts of things, Almost everything stems from that. You know, you, you you build a profound respect for the people around you which helps you then take care of the user and customer. You know, if you do those things, I think five kind of takes care of itself. A good manager just sort of gets out of the way of that.
0: Yeah, that's that's a re- really interesting one. The idea that people that are doing the work are coming first is really I think important. That's really changed the changed the game, changed the team dynamic. Yep. And uh that give me also a segue to say those roles are for leaders and those rules are for all the team members there's no those those roles are, applies to everybody right yeah exactly the boss or the boss always come last is an interesting thing that in your in the role you say you you take care of the people you work for that's the fifth role so three and four will come first so the the people and the customer come first come before the boss where do you think we need to have that kind of rule on paper?
1: You know, I think it's important that
0: people remember
1: what's important and don't manage up. You know, I, if uh, if it can be easy in high stress situations or in, in companies that particularly have, you know, political environments to forget what the end goal of what you're trying to accomplish is, which is building something, at least for me, building something that not only works but really helps somebody do something if you put the boss first usually then the thing you're trying to build and the team you're trying to build it with the incentives for them become misaligned and they don't deliver what the customer wants they don't deliver well as a team they deliver what the boss wants and uh, and everything falls apart in that
0: that's a really good segue to the the rule.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm very fanatical about this one. Uh, and of course, it's easy to say, you know, it's a, it, it always sounds a little facile, but uh, it's the team's obligation to challenge its leader. Uh, you know, do it respectfully, if, if necessary, do it in private. You know, it's it's easy to say, but it's over time, you have to build trust with the team and they have to believe that they can push back on you without repercussion. And so you build that trust. You have to every day show people that they get that respect. They get more respect for pushing back and, and, and not just rolling over because of something the boss said or whatever, you know, a lot of times in my experience, managers get so busy that they, uh, they don't have all the info uh, and they're making the best decision they can, you know, in, in their mind, it's a great decision. Uh, and, and the team over there in the corner is saying, God, ah, God, Jason just made the worst decision ever. And uh, because of X and if, and if I didn't know about X, I may have made a mistake. And if they don't tell me about X, I'm never going to get better and make fewer mistakes. So it's really critical for the team to make sure. I mean, it really could just be a lack of information. So it's always critical to make sure that the pushback happens so that uh, managers get better at making decisions.
0: How do you, when you you onboard new people in, in your team or when you have new team members, how do you make sure that they really understand that that it's not it's not only i I've, I've heard a lot of leaders and managers said in the past, "Oh yeah, you you need to challenge me, but when what what I was observing was when they were challenged they were they were pushing back really heavily and they were unhappy with the messenger. yeah How do you make sure that that it works when you onboard new people in your team?
1: You know, I think you got to. I mean, of course, you need to have a sense of humility. But even more than that is is a, is a really valuable tool. There is a is a bit of sense of humor. Of course, we all make lots of mistakes. I try and uh, and make sure that not only do I poke fun at myself when these things happen. Oh, you know, Matt Jones today told me about this crazy thing I did, and uh, yeah, he was totally right. I make a joke about it. <laughs> And, and not to be unapproachable, right? You need to you need to fall down sometimes to be uh, approachable in that manner. You can't be perceived as this all-knowing, distant boss that thinks he knows everything. So you really need to make sure you're approachable. And you need to walk the walk with the other parts of the team every day. They need to see someone practically yell at me and, and then get kudos from me in, in a public forum and say, oh, he really means it. He's really doing it. He's walking the walk. Uh, and so it takes a little time, of course, with the new people, and uh, and that's great. But uh, that's how you build trust.
0: Which brings us to the next one.
1: Yes, yeah, so seven is basically the corollary. I learned that one the hard way. You know, uh, I, I think it, vaguely at some point in the past, uh, I made a decision that the person that a person uh, disagreed with, and they disagreed with me very vociferously. But then they went to the customer and also told the customer that they disagreed with me very vociferously. So then we had a dissonance problem with the customer and they're looking at us like, well, these guys can't get their stuff together. So um, it's the the only negative corollary, I think, out of the 13 rules in that sometimes you just have to sort of agree and commit. And, uh, and you know, I can count on probably one hand the time the number of times I've had to sort of enforce that in the last I don't know, four, four or five years. So it's, it's a rarity, but it's a, a message that sometimes we have to make tough decisions and agree to them and commit to them.
0: Disagree and commit, but you had all the opportunity before the decision is made to raise your concern. Exactly. But when we made the decision, we probably don't know, and nobody knows if it will be good or bad in the end, but at least we need to go all together with that decision. Yeah. I like it. So there's one, one rule that is in all caps. <laughs> my my first instinct in saying it's if it's in all caps, that means that the, the, the volume is a little bit louder. Yeah. So why
1: that? You know that's a funny one. I stole this one from Believe It or Not, I think. Uh, Napoleon, who said, "There's no such thing as bad regiments, only bad colonels." It's it's almost universally true that when you find a team that's in a messy situation, it's because of something some, uh, something leadership did or didn't do, and that doesn't imply you know any kind of bad intent. Uh, a lot of times, leaders will do things with great intent. And not and under the law of under, unintended consequences, end up in a bad spot. You know, I was talking to a a team manager recently who, who you know, his his team lead quit, and he asked his architect if, if he wanted the team lead position. The architect took that, and the manager didn't really teach the architect how to be a leader. Didn't backfill the architect. In effect. He was trying to give somebody a career advancement, but really what he accomplished was getting rid of his two most important roles. And so that's a leadership function that was well-intentioned but ended poorly. And a, a big believer in the idea that leadership owns the decisions of the organization to its detriment or its better uh, when it has to, you know, kind of like the old Navy idea that the captain can be asleep at the, in, his, in his bunk, but if an ensign runs the ship aground, the captain is still responsible.
0: That reminds me of uh, one thing I used with, uh, with one team I was working with. The team was not necessarily operating at its, at its best. There was, a, there was something about maybe that's not the right team members. And uh, that was really an interesting one. And uh, I told them the story that I read in a book about the, uh, the Navy SEALs. They were speaking about that crazy uh, selection process. There's, you, you, get, you get the top-level people that want to enter, and you will only have a few of them that will already enter. And they have a crazy uh, physical and uh, operation to run at night. It's really hard, and they are grouped in small boats. So, and they are they are competing against each other. They have one boat that is winning really largely ahead of all the others, and they are one boat that is really lagging behind. The 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 leader of the boat that is lagging behind complains about his team, and they said, "Yeah, no, no problem." And they ch- they exchange the leaders of the two boats you imagine that the, the result will be predictable. The boat that we won the first time won the second time with the, the other leader. <laughs> but the boat that lost the, the, the first time is now second, just behind. And you say, oh, oh, it's possible. And they say, yeah, the the leader is bad, but it was not bad enough to damage the team completely that first, that second round. But the good leader was able to bring the the really bad team to the second level just in one time with this one try. And that's what you need to learn. I was thinking, oh, yeah, okay, that's a good illustration that you can have a really good team because of the leader or the opposite. Mm -hmm. Agreed. That's a great uh, analogy for it. I think that pretty much describes it perfectly. And so we are now at uh, the ninth rule
1: Number nine, uh, it's the team leader's job to protect the team from the outside so that they can do their jobs. And really that's, that one broadly for me is just about politics, you know, and and, and maybe a little more than that. You know, sometimes it's the case of customer or someone else calling a, an engineer all the time, asking, when am I getting my feature? And, I, and I'll say, hey, you know, you're actually slowing things down. You're jiggling the pilot's elbow in an in-flight emergency. Why don't you go through me in the future? But, it, you know, and broadly, it's more about making sure you take politics out of the team so that they can focus, and, and people don't like dealing with politics. So really, I, I take that uh, on uh, that one importantly, as on myself to make sure that they don't have to deal with politics. I will, uh, so
0: that they can focus. Helping people to focus, uh, removing the interruptions that will not help them in in doing their their will. Yeah. So I cannot say that's not my job. Right. Uh, you know, in general, um, you know, part of that, part of that, because
1: I, I've been in so many startups, but uh, it's still true no matter where I work. I, I don't believe people should say that's not my job. And, and that goes anywhere, right? Like to some degree, if if you've got a prima donna engineer who doesn't want to do certain things, that sets a bad example. But uh, but more importantly, that goes to leadership, right? Everybody should be willing to get in and sweep the floors when they have to. And nobody's sleep is more important than anybody else's sleep. So. I always tell people that really your sleep's not more important than mine. If you're up at four in the morning trying to get a release out the door and you need something unblocked, call my cell, call my boss's cell. You can yell at me. Uh, but really it's about pulling together and make sure that everybody pitches in when they need to, to get something done.
0: And so, yeah, that's a, uh, that, that avoids also the, the kind of blame game that will have, ap- that could happen uh, from time to time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So Rule eleven. Uh, it's a core component of everybody's, uh, every leader's job on the team to pass on their knowledge, um, and that that applies to thought leaders, organizational leaders, people leaders, whatever. That's to me is how you best scale organizations. Everybody mentors to some degree, um, whether it's code reviews on pull requests or real direct one-to-one mentoring. I'm a fanatic that everybody mentors, and that's how you build an organization that trusts each other, that has skills that it needs, and that can scale. Uh, so that one's just very, very critical. Pass on your knowledge whenever you can.
0: How do you help people realize that that's really part of their job? Because it's, it's not obvious when you are working somewhere that it's really part of your job. How would you help them realize that?
1: You know, a lot of it's, it's situational. But take an, an engineer, for example. It it has to start with them, take a very junior, an intern or a junior engineer, it has to start with them receiving good mentoring and seeing the value of that or a junior manager or whatever. So I often start with the idea of assigning uh, mentors to junior people or asking for volunteers or whatever and doing the same myself to make sure, I mean, I'm not engineers anymore. Nobody wants to see me write code anymore, but uh, with managers, certainly. And making sure that they see the value of what they received when they were brought in so that they can turn around and say, I can provide that same value in my own growth. Uh, and it might even enhance my value. And I also just talk to people a lot about it. I ask people to get mentors. I often ask uh, managers to get mentors uh, outside of their chain of command so that uh so that they can go complain about me right i mean nobody wants to come and talk to me and be like ah oh, boss you really screwed me this time and hopefully they will but uh you know often it's a it's a nice safe environment to have, have a mentor outside of the chain of command uh, where you can be very free and i have my own mentor so i get to complain about my boss sometimes
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's a really good one i, li- I like that so uh, that's really creating the condition for that to happen by showing the value, by acting on it by uh, yourself. So, so other people will do exactly the same. Yeah. So, oh, we are back to a to a rule about your manager. So, yeah. So uh, back to this one.
1: Uh, it is a team leader's job to push power and loyalty down, not up. Uh, I think probably most of us, if again, if not all, have worked for managers or leaders who think that decision making. Is a form of power and require themselves to be involved in every decision that happens. Um, and I think, you know, I think we all think that that usually breaks down. I believe that a good uh, engineering manager, a good manager in general's job isn't to build an organ, isn't to make good decisions. It is to build an organization that makes good decisions. And to do that, they all have to have the psychological safety, the literal safety to take risks and make decisions and know that they have the sphere of influence to do those things. So it's critical, critically incumbent on me and leaders that report to me that they know that their job is to push power and the ability to make decisions and loyalty down so that the organization learns to make decisions. It builds an immune system reaction over time as they learn it. And that doesn't mean you do it in a vacuum, a lot of those managers will make those decisions and come tell me afterwards. Sometimes they'll call me and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about making this decision," but they need to feel, you know, that they have the sphere of influence to do so. Uh, and that's how you build an organization that makes good decisions.
0: Excellent. So that's, that's not only not don't manage up. That's that's more create a system, create an organization that will enable people to make decisions. So that means they, they need to have the information that will help them to make good decisions. Exactly. And they need to be comfortable with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really an interesting job to switch from being the bottleneck and making all the decisions by yourself. That's sometimes I see... Usually, the less experienced leaders are trying to do that. They are trying to, to concentrate all the information to be able to make all the decisions for everybody. That's not that's usually not really sustainable. So it's a, it's an interesting way of framing that to help them understand that it's their job to create the system. Exactly. The system will not be created by, the, by itself.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, lastly is... Uh... 13, which is see rule one and rule one again is have fun. I know every engineer that might listen to this will point out that it's recursive, but I'm okay with that uh, because I I really do think that being engaged and having fun got to be rule one over these last few years of uh, working at Red Hat. uh, I've had a lot of fun. I think Red Hat as an organization believes in it, in that sort of be effective and be content balance. And, uh, And hopefully
0: some of the organizations I'm responsible for have too. I love it. And I have to admit that I, I love the recursive part. When I when I first read the thirteen rules, I've read Have Fun. I passed on it really fast. And I went to read all the others. And when when I arrive at C Roll One, I read Have Fun again. But th- this time I, I had really a smile on my face. It's really representing all the all that rule just in, in that in that humorous uh, uh comment. I, I, I really love it. Excellent. So we went around all that. How do you see the the people in your team using that? Are they are they already using the certain rules or have have I found only one person that is
1: No, I think uh you know, I'm not very pedantic about it. I don't I don't force people to, you know, print them out and put them over their monitor or memorize them or anything. But I am a you know, I'm a little pushy about them sometimes and over a long enough horizon it inculcates. I mean, first of all, with any new employee, I just sort of, you know, I read the rules to them and say, hey, are you cool with these rules? Are there any rules you're not cool with? And we go over them and, I'm, and almost always be like, yeah, I'm cool with the rules. Uh, and, th- and that's an important contract to make up front because then somebody does something and, you know, they contravene a rule. And I often I, I, I try and try and just sort of joke about it. Say, hey, you know, that thing you just did, what's rule three? And they look at me and they're like, I don't remember what rule three is. And I say, Well, go look it up. Uh, and And tell me why that was a fail and and they do, and so I try and reinforce it very gently and even as a joke. Uh, but the fact that they made the agreement up front to sort of contract the rules with me gives me, I think, the ability to say, "Hey, you agreed to the rules. Rule three, you just broke that. Go tell me, go go look it up, and then tell me why it's a mess." And so I think without being too pedantic about it in general, it starts to inculcate. And I, you know, I find little, little pockets where somebody mentions the rules and I'm always pleasantly surprised like this. I mean, I, I, I was racking my brain when you mentioned uh, doing this podcast. I was like, did I talk to Alexi at, at some function about the rules? Uh, so I'm, I'm again, pleasantly surprised to see that they're out there and being discussed. Cause I, I, I think that happens semi, semi-regularly, but enough that it becomes part of our culture.
0: Yeah, I love it, and uh, yeah, I, I was really interested because it was it was far away enough from your yourself in in your organization that I I thought, oh yeah, that's uh, if we are if we are discussing those certain rules uh, two two levels down from Jason, uh, that's that's really something. So I I tried to to poke other people to see if they knew about the rules and they knew about the rules. They said, oh yeah, oh. How, they are, how are they doing that? This is really uh, cool. So
1: i so, got to yeah, admit, that's yeah. really good to hear. If you could see me, I'd be like brushing sweat off my forehead. Like, whew.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, Jason. Uh, that was great having you here. Do you have uh, anything you want to share today?
1: No, it's great. Uh, I, I enjoyed this very much. And hopefully other people will get value out of them. Uh, if uh, My only other piece of advice to people who read the rules is uh, maybe the rules work for you. Maybe they don't. I found that that original profundity that that mentor told me about having a framework for people to make decisions is the important thing. So have rules that work for you because my 13 rules might not work for anybody, even most people just have a framework.
0: I love it. And so we can all have fun. I love it. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. Alex. It was great having you here. It was great to be here. Thank you. This was an episode of Le Podcast. Le Podcast equips you to make a positive change in your organization. For more, connect to alexis.monville.com.